only when you are able to feel your own body can you feel another body adequately, for instance. Only if you can uh, move your body and express your body in different ways can you call forth those realms of polarity. So, for instance, if who was talking about being a super achiever for many, many of her life, right? So, so yes, so if you spend all of your life being a super achiever and you're with a partner who's also a super achiever, then what happens is um, the resonance, the resonance of both super achievers, well, this is a whole big topic, but since you asked about it, so... When you want to have a good sexual relationship, which is not the same as a good harmonic relationship or harmonious relationship, they're very different things. But let's just say, because you said polarity, which is a somewhat misleading term because, well, that's a different story, but let's just call it polarity for a moment. Um, I call it erotic friction for a very specific reason. Um, because it is a, it's a word out of my lineage, but I call it erotic friction because it's the fact that you have erotic attraction makes it very contentious, right? So, which is what most people don't understand is that the thing that causes you to have great, uh, you know, erotic chemistry actually makes the relationship fairly unworkable yeah. unless you figure out the difference between the one and the other, right? So the very thing that causes you to want to jump somebody's bones is going to make them an infuriating life partner, <laughs> right? Guilty, yeah. Yes, well, the, the, there's, there's two kinds of relationships. The one where, the people, where people have a great relationship but mediocre or boring sex and the one where people have amazing sex even 10 years in, but they're constantly fighting. It's makeup sex that's great, right? So that's the kind of two ways of going at it when we talk sexual. But so if you have, so in order for there to be polarity, that's why they call it polarity, you need one of each. So you need somebody who wants to call the shots and be a hyper achiever and someone who wants to go along on that ride. Mm. So that's the, that's the problem here, is that if both people are hyper achievers and nobody wants to go on the other person's ride, you have essentially two people who are at odds, which if they're really at odds in a creative way can at least be creatively interesting and maybe sexually interesting, but it's almost impossible to live in a relationship with that much contentious friction. And so that's one way it can go. The other way it can go is that if your hyperachiever is stronger than his hyperachiever, you're going to flip him into the less achieving mode, into the more passive mode. And the question is, can you go along for, for the ride on that, for the joy of the play, or will you give something up that you can't recover? So, so the question is, can you go along on the ride for the fun of it, right, and know that that's a choice you make because it's a different relational pattern and it feels uncomfortable but somewhat better?
No, 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 there's no compromise there. There's a choice there. That's not a compromise. It's a choice where she can go. Wait, let me, let me just explain it and then you can ask questions. So where she can go, yeah, this feels really horrible. But you know what? The last thing I did wasn't that great, right? I want to try different. Different always feels weird. Is the outcome of feeling weird good or bad? And then if the answer is, oh, it's good because I'm actually having a different relational experience, then you'll deal with the discomfort. So that's optimal situation. Now we come to what you were saying. The other option would be you go along with it and in the context of you going along with it while knowing it's actually not having the outcome you desire but you're ideologically possessed or you don't know better or both. Right? Some people, they're like, oh no, I must surrender. And it's like, okay, I, uh, you're not better <laughs> You're not better for it. Like, I mean, the only reason to change something if you're better for it at the end, in some way or another, right? So if you're not better for it and you still do it, there's a chance that you sell yourself out, is another way of saying that, right? When you give in, let's say, to a guy who you really shouldn't follow, just because a guy wants to lead does not mean you should follow him, right? The only reason you would follow him is he's a better leader than you and the outcomes he produces are better than the outcomes you produce. If he cannot produce better outcomes than you produce, you should under no circumstances follow him. That's just stupid. <laughs> the erotic play that is part of the sexual occasion, that's where you let that happen. But then when you get up in the morning, you go to work and you kick ass like the, with the best of them if that's what you want to do. It's not a lifestyle choice. It's a erotic choice for the sake of the engagement. And you don't have to sell out everything that you've worked for so hard just so you have a bit of okay, you know, or exciting, even exciting sex. That, it doesn't work like that, you know. So, but, 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 but here's the big but. When we get a whiff of what it's like to have that kind of sex where you don't have to be the one calling the shots, right? Whatever, whatever that is for you, right? Where you go, oh, there's a moment where I don't have to be the one who knows exactly where it's going, where it's going next, how it's going to go, how long it takes and what we do, right? That, that's the feeling somewhat in the body is, oh. Right? I don't know where I'm going and it's uncomfortable, but that's really kind of very exciting. Right? It's that kind of a, you know what I'm talking about, right? So that feeling can be quite heady and addictive, particularly when you haven't had it, meaning it's a little bit like heroin, right? <laughs> Crack, whatever. That, that is what people describe, right? You can get strung out on that. And so what people sometimes do, men and women alike in different ways, is they sell out their life for that hit of the thing, right? And so you have to be careful that you don't do that because first of all, that renders you incomplete as a human 
it also negates everything you worked hard for and it also imprisons you in a situation where you are no longer at cause. But if you can say, in my sexual life, I want to play with that, but not in my factual life. And you can make the choice to run your business and do your thing and do the things you're good at. Because one of the things that's so egregious to me about the whole masculine feminine thing is that it somehow dismisses skills. So for instance, if you're really organized and have your shit together and you can show up on time and you have systems in place and all of those things that makes you highly functional as a human being, that's never bad. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. And if you start devaluing your gift because it doesn't fit into some kind of a dogmatic approach that makes it such that you're supposed to not be that, but some ditzy storm of wild feminine energy, you know, who can't find her fucking car keys. You are, it's, it's super disempowering, right? It disempowers you as a human, which might work great for the dude who needs to feel like that, but that's not healthy. But if you can go, okay, I'm going to, kick ass and you know take names and then when I come home I want to be you know the bimbo who loses her car keys for the sake of the sexual enjoyment <laughs> then great <laughs> right but what that means is you will be able to who, who was saying this today the energetic nimbleness or something or fluidity fluidity you said I call it nimbleness you know like being nimble um, is you need to be able to have to do both equally. And often what happens is people get a bit strung out on the surrender aspect and they forget that they also are capable humans. And then they start chasing a certain kind of a, you know, fix that comes in the form of surrendering one's authority to somebody who you really shouldn't surrender your authority to. Yeah. Well, the preferable setup is uh, good relationship, mediocre sex <laughs> versus amazing sex, contentious relationship. So that's, that's the better of, of the two versions. And here's why. Because it's a lot easier to learn how to have um, great erotic chemistry than it is to learn the skills to not fight all the time. And then also when you learn the skills to not fight all the time, often the good sex goes away. So, so because, because of the way polarity works, right? because polarity works on opposites. Yes, it's much easier than learning how to harmon harmoniously live together when you don't know how to do that. So it's the easier skill set. And here's why it's the easier skill set, because what we just talked about, it's essentially like... Um, Physics, mm -hmm. right? Opposites attract. And then, uh, you know, essentially two people who are the same stay together, right? But they have like, like a, a, the, the word I was looking for, they have resonance, right? Mm -hmm. And resonance creates this kind of a very harmonious, resonant togetherness, mm -hmm. which is what you need if you want to have long-term mm -hmm. successful relationship, particularly if you're also raising children and mm -hmm. things like that. You need a lot of 
harmonious resonance. Mm -hmm. And then you have that interference that is uh, the sexual occasion. I mean, you know, how I don't know how many times a day you have sex or how many hours a day you have sex. But typically I would say, um, you know, you, do, you need 23.5 hours of, or 23 hours of harmonious coexistence and an hour of uh, disruptive, uh, you know, so to, to put that in perspective. So what you can learn, and these are skill sets, um, are essentially making yourself opposite to your partner. And so that takes different forms, one, and and it doesn't matter who does what, mm -hmm. but essentially one partner needs to be the one um, knowing where it's going mm -hmm. and the other partner needs to enjoy going on that ride. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the easiest ways to create that. If he really does not want to go on the ride, you will have an issue, right? Meaning if he goes, there's no way I'm going on your ride ever, then you have a problem, obviously. <clears throat> But typically, that's not how it goes because these things don't flip arbitrarily. So what I mean, sometimes they can, but in, and certainly perimenopause and all of that has something to do with that. But it's not just that. You have to also remember when men get of a certain age, their hormones go down substantially. Mm -hmm. And of course, when a man no longer has as much testosterone, mm -hmm. they're not as prone to wanting to lead either. So it's actually in long-term relationships a fairly common thing that at some point the the, the, the the engagement flips where the guys get a lot more laid back and then you know they're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and you're like come on you know so <laughs> and that can be that can be very enjoyable right but, but you have to be sensitive to the fact that if he hasn't considered that yet, it might feel a little bit disempowering or, you know, demasculating or whatever the word would be for him to be a bottom so suddenly, so to speak, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't come on, you know, like ramp it up that hard. I'm sorry to be fairly crass about this, but most guys on occasion like a woman on top, so to speak, right? Because it means he can relax and he doesn't have to do anything. So I'd, I'd play around where he might have some enjoyment in not having to be the one guiding the ride, right? And then if he likes that and if that feels good and if you enjoyed it and he enjoys that, then great. But that will mean if, it, if it's flipped and you no longer want to be the one following along, you're going to have to also take control because that's then part of your... Mm -hmm. But the way, and this is also very important and a lot of people don't understand that, it's not just about dominance. A, a good ride leader <laughs> is sensitive to the rider. Right. Otherwise, it's just weird, yeah. you know, dominant shit. Yeah. A good... A good leader of a ride is very, very sensitive to the person they're leading. Mm -hmm. And so you will have to acquire that as well, that you have to be sensitive to how he needs to be guided, so to speak, right? And typically how you do that with a man, particularly if there's a transition happening, is via enjoyment.
you want to offer him things that are massively enjoyable, where even if he goes, whoa, that's a bit weird. Oh, but it's good, you know. And most men are very energy efficient. So typically, they don't, big, they don't put up a big fight if they can conserve energy, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. But you could easily say to him, I mean, there's nothing wrong. You're in a decent relationship, right? You could say, my body's changing. I need different things. There's no humanly way you could know what that feels like because we don't even know what the fuck is happening most of the time. So how would a guy know, right? Even the best of the guys. You know, why would he know? So you might have just said to him, look, I, it's got to be a bit different because uh, it's not the same. Can I show you? Can I take over for a bit? Uh, can we explore? You know, I need different things. I don't know exactly what. Can we just like, you know, go on an adventure together? Then it's not you are doing wrong and I don't want you anymore, which of course when you deny a man the very thing that he's most proud of, typically, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you're in trouble because you've now suddenly demoted his manhood. But if you go, I need help with this, and that might mean I'm going to have to show you and we have to take it slower, I have to try something else, he's going to be happy that he can support something.